Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. Five to six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Hey, this is John Ridley. And this is Matt Carey, documentary editor at Deadline. And welcome to Talk Talk. John, we've got a hard-hitting episode today. A lot of controversy. Well, maybe we should put the word controversy in quotes in the documentary field about the nominees for Best Documentary Feature. We're going to get into that with some amazing panelists. You get a shot, but the individuals behind every one of those images, they're complicated and they are human. This has been Doc Talk. Thank you. Great conversation. Have you heard about the social media platform for kids? It's called Zikazoo. It's a great place where kids like me can come together to make fun videos. Videos moderated by real people who review content before it's posted to the feed. I love the dance challenges. I love that it's Kids Safe COPPA certified. Uh, I don't know what that means. It means it has built-in privacy protections for your online data. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network. For kids. <laughs> Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. This is the Lombardi Line with Michael Lombardi and Patrick Maher on VSEN. Okay, we welcome you in. It is the Lombardi line on a Friday, a busy show. Vinny Maliulo will join. Jenna Cottrell will join to talk about what's happening up in Buffalo with Michael's boy, Josh Allen. Even Amal Shaw is going to make an appearance here on Lombardi line. I Look saw forward him. to it, as we say. You saw him? You I, saw I him saw, in there a I little saw bit him earlier? doing your soccer show. Yeah, I loved it. Yeah, it was good. I didn't listen to it, but I loved it. I wouldn't have understood anything <laughs> you were talking about, so it didn't make any sense to me. But I'm sure he was well-informed and had opinions, which is all that matters. He, he was good to go, of course, the World Cup coming up here in just a couple of weeks. But, Michael, as we start off the Friday show, good for Matt. Good for Carolina. Good for Steve yeah. Wilkes, who is now 2-3 and three since taking over. They, the Panthers improved to 3-7, and seven, a 25-15 winner. Of course, they were catching 2.5. This total closed 41.5, so it stays under. There were three teams on the field last night. The Falcons, <laughs> the Panthers, and the remnants of Hurricane Nicole, correct? Yeah, and no doubt, no doubt. And, and there was a lot of opportunity for one team to win, the other team to win. I mean, Mariota tried to throw as many interceptions that P.J. Tucker, P.J. Walker tried to throw. So it was an interesting game, to say the least. But think about this. I wrote about this this morning, Patrick. The, AFC, the, the NFC South is upside down, inside out. I don't know what to make of it. But if Cade York misses the 58-yarder and, and Eddie Panero makes an extra point, the Panthers are 5-5. Five and five. A 58-yarder and an extra point is all required for them to be 5-5. Five and five. That's right. And, and, I, and I don't think they're very good. I, I think what we saw from Atlanta last night is what we all felt Atlanta was going to be, that if they had to run a conventional offense and they got behind in a game, it was over. Now, I never expected Atlanta to run the ball as well as they have, 
But when they got a, when they got forced out of the six back attack, it was ugly. Yeah, you talked about in the Lombardi look ahead. Remember, VEASAN pros can get the look ahead every Friday. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. And you simply ask, who's the best team in the NFC South? Nobody knows the answer. Because if you want to just anoint Tampa Bay because of Brady, and we'll get to this in a second. We'll continue with the game. Uh, if you watch Tampa Bay against Los Angeles, they're not a very good football team either. However, I digress. No. Panero couldn't miss last night. On the other side, you had Mariota, who inexplicably, Smith starts throwing the ball deep in the middle of downpours as opposed to running the football. It almost felt like they went away from their game plan. Well, I mean, they got the Panthers kind of changed their front a little bit, got that double sink look. They put Derek Brown over the center, which created a lot of problems for them. They couldn't block him. And there it went the running game, and they couldn't really get anything going there, and they dared them to throw it, even though they had some success running the football. But, look, this is the way Atlanta's going to continue to get played because they're not a talented team offensive line-wise, quarterback skill-wise, and they made Mariota play outside his comfort zone. And, you know, even though he was converting third downs early in the game, third and nine first down, third and nine first down, once they got behind in the down and distance, they just couldn't keep that pace going. So, you know, look, I, I think Carolina, give them credit. Steve Wilkes has come in, and they've kind of just managed the game better. P.J. Walker tried to, you know, try to throw a couple interceptions, but they just didn't catch him. And I think, to me, the Panthers played so conservative that that game was actually close at the end, and it shouldn't have been. Think about this, totally though, Patrick. Agree. How good was yeah, the – how good – if you bet the under, and I think Mike Palm was on the under yesterday, kind of as a – not not an official play, but, you know, they, this game has three extra points that are missed, and if they if if those three are made, the game hits over. It's hilarious because you look at the box and you look at the second half. Panthers scored six in the third. The Falcons scored six in the third. The Falcons scored six in the fourth. The Panthers scored six in the fourth. A lot of mix, missed extra points. I mentioned it landed 40. It closed 41 and a half under betters, say a prayer, right? I mean, those were yeah. two. Koo hadn't missed all year. I mean, and he misses two. So I think you're right Badly. when you said Badly. I think you're right when you said the weather was also part of the team and I think you're completely correct with that you know and and I think what Carolina got to the point within the game was and I kept trying I mean I kept trying to to think they were going to kind of be a little bit more aggressive because there was a lot of throws on the field I mean the first drive of the game PJ Walker misses the the sail route that he threw against Tampa but he decides not to throw it this week you know, and so it's a it's a walk in touchdown. There were so many plays there that that I felt like they were ultra conservative, but I think they ultimately felt like they could win with their defense, which I think Carolina makes a little bit of a mistake. I don't think they're as good on defense as the perception is. They give up a lot of plays that you wouldn't think a good team would, but let's face it. So the first two third downs of the game, Atlanta converts. Both are third and nine and third and ten. They convert one more the rest of the game. I wouldn't say either side was particularly inspiring, to say the least. Uh, yeah, but no, you know, it, I I enjoyed the game, but you know, I like, enjoyed it too. Like, I mean, I don't. I I had the volume on for full disclosure. I did, you know, but there was no. I mean, I felt bad for Al. Al has like Al doesn't want to be there. Like he had no energy in the game e either. And, and and I think poor Herbie. I I, I got to say Herbie's working way too hard. I mean, no man can do what Herbie's doing do a pro game and then go to a Saturday on this and come back. I mean, like, 
at some point, exhaustion's got – and the energy level, if you're – there was no energy in the game. And I know nobody had a feel, but I thought it was actually a good game. I enjoyed the game. I, I really did. Even after the terrible pick from Mariota, they came right down. They scored. There was a little juice in it late. There was something to did, watch did you, late. Did you I, feel there was energy? There was no energy in the broadcast, though. There wasn't. It, it seems to be an odd pairing, if we're going to be completely forthright, as far as Herb Street and Michaels. Maybe they're still trying to figure out how to work with one another. But the juice isn't there on Thursday night. Like You can no. tell Michaels, Michaels just does not feel like he's being seen, and so the energy level is low. It really is, and and you know, and and I, I I don't know. Look, I I think to me it's a great game. It was an unbelievable the weather game. There were so many storylines within the game. You know, the adjustments that are happening on the field during the game, the conservative nature of Carolina. You know, who is the best team in the South? It isn't Tampa. I mean, think about this, Patrick. We all want to anoint Tampa as the best team, right? Tampa lost to Carolina and Pittsburgh. They lost to Carolina and Pittsburgh. Okay, it isn't like they just, you know, and they and they barely beat they barely beat a bad Rand team. And my two bottom ranked teams in the league right now in my power rankings are Carolina and Pittsburgh. I'll tell you what they did do, and we gave out the over on the prop. Dante Foreman, thirty-one rush, one hundred and thirty yards. He he ran hard. There's a spot for that dude on a roster. There's no, no doubt about that. No, I, I, uh, I mean, I think, I think they mischaracterized this kid completely. First of all, let's go back, right? So this kid is one of the greatest high school players since Earl Campbell coming out, right? I mean, he is a legend amongst high school coaches. He's big, he's fast, you know, not exactly a hard worker, not exactly a hard worker. Things came a little easy to him. So when he goes to Texas, he's a little bit of a spoiled. He doesn't really – he didn't have that – that competitive stamina or fiber, but he always had talent. He always had unique talent. That's why he's bounced around so much because his talent always gets him an audition. His work ethic always gets him cut. But now, you know, he's that desperate soldier that, you know, what did George Young, the great general manager of the New York football giants say, the hungry soldier's the best soldier? Well, he's a hungry soldier. And even though he got paid a little bit, he hasn't gotten really compensated. So to me, this is a really talented kid who's underachieved for most of his career until last year and this year. As you know, the Lombardi look ahead opens the door for Tampa in division. I'll give you the numbers in division quickly. To win the South, Tampa Bay, your favorites at minus 250. The Falcons, four and a quarter, plus 425. The Saints are five to one, and the Panthers are 28 to one coming off the win. You take a look. To Germany, Michael Lombardi. We'll be here live on the Lombardi line watching Seattle, Tampa Bay. Well, actually, that game starts. Yeah. Yeah, we'll be here. 930. Uh, yeah, we'll be yep. there. Yep, we'll be here. Uh, Tampa Bay, lane two and a half. That seems to be, it's almost like the Seattle disrespect. I don't know if the market's quite caught up yet. They go into Arizona as a two-point dog and beat them outright. Tampa Bay just does not look good, yet they're laying two and a half here, hosting C Seattle in Germany. You know, which is strange, right? Because, look, I, I think people don't understand how much the German people, the Deutschland loves, loves for pro football. I mean, when the NFL Europe was kind of in its waning days, there were five teams in Germany. Five. There was only one team. They called it NFL Europe, but there was only one team outside of Germany, and that was Amsterdam. Even Barcelona, which was a great, had some great moments as an NFL Europe team, kind of faded away. Their interest kind of 
waned. The people, but this German public really gravitated, loved it. The crowds were were boisterous. This is going to be a great festive atmosphere. I can't wait. I don't understand why Tampa's favorite. You know, I don't know how that is because I would say yes, Tampa should be favorite if they were playing at home, but they're in they're in they're in Munich. They're not at home. I mean, so I, I think to me. The one thing you would say, and I wrote about this in my column, is this is Tampa's moment, right? This is their custard last stand, if you will, moment. Because they've gotten every break you could imagine by all these other teams. And if they don't step ahead of the South, when are they ever going to do it? If not now, when? You know, if not now, when? There has to be a sense of urgency with their football team to really play at a higher level. I think it's going to be a challenge. I really do. Also, Michael... Aside from 55 seconds against the Rams, if Brady doesn't do what Brady does, they're three and six, and there's a whole different narrative going into this matchup, right? It's just funny how everything hinges or kind of kind of turns on a dime with Brady ma- marching the team down, no timeouts, and 50 plus seconds on the clock, and all of a sudden the Bucks are minus 250 favorites in division. Like that switched everything. I mean, and okay, so Brady marched them down the field, and I know we'll talk about this in the next. Brady is at the lowest point in his yards per attempt since his second year as a starter in 2002. Think about that. He's at 6.4 yards per attempt. This is the lowest it's ever been. He's got to throw it 50 times in every single game. And you know he's got to be frustrated with the drops. Speaking of which, when we come back, let's do this. Let's get your number, the Lombardi line on Seahawks Bucks, and then we'll transition to Joe Thomas, who had some pointed thoughts about Jeff Thank Saturday God. being named a Thank head God coach. somebody else somebody speaks said up. It. Thank God. Somebody said yeah, it please. of the Indian They didn't say it last night, of course. Martha Stewart, the original influencer. When I think about anything, I think about the way that she did it first. The media mogul. The six years ahead, she saw what was coming. The prisoner, the rise, the fall, and the reinvention of an American icon. Once Martha paved the road, everybody else pretty much copied her. A CNN original series, The Many Lives of Martha Stewart, now streaming on Max. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids, but I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo. 
a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my That's my <laughs> to the Lombardi line on VSIN featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, you want to see what's new over at vsin.com, vsin.com? It's new. First off, the layout looks great. It's crisp, it's clean, it's easy to navigate. You've got Lombardi look ahead going up today over at vsin.com. You've got Saturday bet prep. You can see it right there. Uh, with that, which, which, by the way, he, Matt Eumanns, joins Michael Lombardi and myself every Saturday talking about that prep, talking about the tournament. But check out vcin.com. Make sure you bookmark it. It's all there. vcin.com. Okay. We welcome you back here on the Lombardi line on a Friday. Got a busy weekend ahead. As you know, you and I discussed it a little bit yesterday. We had inclement weather down in Carolina yesterday, Michael, but we're this will be the first weather weekend. Now, the cold isn't really going to concern but you're going to potentially have some rain or snow flurries. We'll talk to Jenna Cutterall coming up in just a bit up in Buffalo. But, you know, we're finally going to start to get that weather we haven't had yet so far. No doubt. And, and the cold is going to – it's going to – you know, we think scoring's down a little bit, but as it gets colder and the weather becomes more involved in the game, the, the field goals – not that anybody's trying to kick field goals or extra points anymore. They've kind of stopped that. But that does kind of keep that from – going forward as much too so and then the other thing is like you've got it to so this so we know like I know Amari Cooper hates cold weather but he's playing in Miami this week so it doesn't matter but there's certain players that just don't play at a high level in cold weather I mean you know and it's just it's just a fact and you have to research that look at it like I, I you know Jared Goff in in weather under 40 degrees I think is very is a very profitable bet yeah, to fade him, absolutely. And he will be in Chicago, and Chicago anywhere between two and a half and three. Most shops showing two and a half, DraftKings two and a half, BetMGM, but Circa is actually laying three with Chicago and Mr. Freeze, Jared Goff, coming to town. Okay, I, I want to get to the Joe Thomas clip. Before we do, can we grab your number on Seattle and Tampa Bay? That's going to be an early game in Germany coming up on Sunday. Again, the number right now, as far as the market's concerned, Tampa Bay's lane two and a half and a total of 44 and a half. You know, I had this game as a 3.61 game favoring Seattle. So for me, it's just, wow. it's really not a hard, it's not a hard one to go to. And so, you know, I think it's, it's just to Seattle's playing better. 
you know, like I wrote about today, I mean, like you, when you look at the teams that are playing well the last five weeks, I think that's really more important than sometimes the numbers. This is where I have to be very delicate with my power rankings because like Seattle's numbers the last five weeks have been outstanding. But the first three weeks, they weren't very good. So you've got to kind of take that in consideration. Like, who's playing well now? Who's playing in the last five weeks have played really good? You know, and, and Buffalo's still playing effectively in the last five weeks. I mean, the Jets have played better in the last five weeks. They're 4-1. New England has played better in the last five weeks. Philly, 6-0 and in the last five weeks. So Seattle's 4-1. So And it's just not what their win total is. It's how are they playing. Where are their numbers? Or they're moving up the ladder. And I think Seattle is. Whereas when you look at Tampa, like I said earlier, I mean, this team lost on the road to Pittsburgh. They were, what, a 13-point favorite in that game or 11-point favorite? Then they came back against against Carolina, another road game, and they were horrible. Now, Pittsburgh, they're playing, you know, and Pittsburgh isn't exactly a great team. Pittsburgh's 1-4 the last five weeks. Trust your numbers. Trust your numbers. You watched Seattle at Arizona. The, the only difference in that game was a pick six going the other way for Arizona. Arizona couldn't do anything. Seattle right. dominated I, in that game. And, and look, let's let's be clear. Tampa's not playing well. They're 23rd ranked in terms of numerical the last five weeks. Of all the numbers, they're 23rd in the league. Oh, and they beat a team that was 27th in the league in, in the Rams. You know, I mean, that, 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 doesn't, that doesn't tell you – that, you know, their teams, I, I can remember a phone conversation, but I was sitting in Belichick's office. We were in Cleveland once, and and the, Jerry Glanville was the head coach in Atlanta, and we were talking about, we were getting ready to play New Orleans, and we were talking about New Orleans, and he knew New Orleans. And so, you know, and, and then Glanville was asking Bill about, I forget the team he was playing, and Bill just said, hey, Jerry, you're playing, your team's playing way better than their team. I mean, that's really all that matters. As simple as that sounds, I think that also matters in betting. I think we talk ourselves out of it. What team is playing better? What team is – I mean, team. Now, you know, some of this is injury-related, and I think you got to be careful here. Is, you know, Tampa getting healthier? Who's back? Who's not? Winfield's back. That's going to help their defense. Julio Jones, will he stay on the field? I don't know. Who's back for Seattle? Who's not playing for Seattle? All those things are important. But who's actually playing better, to me, matters really in the handicap a great deal. Well, Seattle's won four straight. The issue with Tampa Bay is they can't stop the run. And you see what's happening with Kenneth Walker. Another 109 on the ground against Arizona last week. I think that's going to be the game plan for Seattle. Right. Saw, they, they posted some stuff on social about you know their practices. There seems to be some momentum, some cohesiveness. The antithesis oh, they're bonded. would be Tampa. They're bonded. The, oh, they're, the antithesis they, of bonding used, would be Tampa Bay. You, 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 they've used Russell Wilson as a way to bond this team together. That's right. The absence right. of Russell Wilson. You know, the other thing I think that's important in this handicap, too, is, is Todd Bowles versus the Rams. Okay, so Shane Waldron is a Ram McVay disciple. Now, we know that the Rams are not running anything that looks like the Jared Goff offense. Nothing. But the Seattle is. And so McVay has always had some success against Bowles. I think that's going to play itself out here because McVay's game plans in the past when he was running that offense, I think can certainly help. I mean, go back to the game when Goff went down there in Tampa. When they beat, when, when, before Brady became the, the Super Bowl team, they beat him down there. Trust your numbers. 
Again, yeah. the market says the Bucks laying two and a half. You've got the Seattle Seahawks three point favorite, a little more than a three point favorite. That's a lot of wiggle, and I don't, I don't disagree with the, what your numbers are spitting out. It's again, yeah. eventually the market will catch up to Seattle. They're playing good ball, right? Seattle is the Seattle, the Giants, Minnesota, and Tennessee are teams that don't look very that well. Seattle actually looks good. Their points per play is outstanding. But sometimes the, the market's waiting for them to collapse. It's like they have a time bomb in their hands, and the market's saying, I don't want to take them this week because they could fall apart. Meanwhile, everybody wants to take the Green Bay bomb, even though they're 0-5 the last five weeks and are really playing poorly. Everybody wants to take Green Bay because they expect it to turn around. How's it going to turn around if you don't play good? Yeah. No, I love your number on that game. Okay, let's do this. Uh, Joe Thomas, we're going to save him. I know we teased it. We're going to save him for just a little bit. You, trust me, you're going to want to hear what Jeff Joe Thomas has to say about Jeff Saturday. But we've got Jenna Cottrell coming on from Buffalo coming up in just a couple of minutes here. So I wanted to ask you about Minnesota and Buffalo. Allen's not practicing. You know, the, the, the pervasive theme this week, Michael, is the quarterbacks. I don't think yeah. Stafford's playing with that concussion. We haven't seen Allen on the field and Minnesota's in town. They can't lose. And Buffalo's laying three and a half, potentially seeing Case Keenum here. Yeah. And we've got, you know, it's going to be cold weather in Buffalo. It's going to be who's got the better ground game. Who can stop? Is Milano going to play? I think that's the question Jenny's got to answer really for us because that really helps their run defense if he plays. But this number has gone from nine and a half down to three and a half. I think clearly everybody thinks he's not. Nobody's betting Buffalo in this game as it continues. I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up getting down to three. Sean McDermott's doing exactly what Sean McDermott should do, which is not give away any secrets, right? He's not giving away any secrets. He's just playing it straight down the middle, and he's going to go in that direction. So I, I think, to me, Minnesota, they're going on a bye next week. They're going to get rested. They won a game that, you know, that, again, they're not great, but they find ways to win games, and they're good in a lot of areas especially the critical areas that determine winning. This Without the six-back offense, what is Buffalo's offense? Because you can't run. You can't run Josh Allen's offense with Case Keenum. No, no. Keenum's a fine athlete. Josh Allen's, he's exemplary. He's he'll get hurt. Level. I mean, he'll get hurt. I mean, some of the blows that Allen's taken are just, whoa, he can get up from them. I mean, I, I mean, here about- we are Friday afternoon, Patrick, and my board has the Rams to be determined, Tennessee yes. to be determined, and Buffalo yes. to be determined. Correct. And that's not really it. I mean, we could have some – by the way, I didn't – good job by Bond. Stephon Diggs and Case Keenum facing the Vikings. They, they were a part of that Minnesota miracle against the Saints. I didn't realize that. Uh, it just came too. Also, let's give credit. Minnesota picks up Hawkinson at the trade deadline – for his first game against the Commanders, he popped. Unbelievable! Like he he was a big time difference in that game, and he made key plays too. Like he made key in plays. He made a key key third down play, caught an inside route. You know he was really effective. That's exactly what they need, especially since they weren't getting Dalvin Cook to run the ball very well. Cook couldn't get going. They got Cook going in the passing game, but this is Minnesota's forte. They 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 look really bad or they look really good. There's no in between with Minnesota. They're kind of like they're either going to score or they're going to punt. It's like kind of right. And and when they don't, when they punt, it's three plays and punt. Hawkinson nine for seventy. Yeah, that was a pretty impressive debut because you have to think he's limited as far as the playbook at that point. He was traded 
you know, a week before. So tremendous job by Hawkinson picking it up there with Minnesota. They're catching three and a half at Buffalo. What's going on with Buffalo? We're going to find out next. What's going on with Josh Allen? Jenna Cottrell is going to let us know. Sports anchor also hosts the Buffalo Plus podcast up there in Buffalo. We're back with that. And then we have Joe Thomas. Somebody finally said something about your boy, Jeff Sunday. Excuse me, Jeff Saturday, but he's got a game on Sunday. We're back. Listening to the Lombardi Line on VSIN, featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, it dropped yesterday and it's majestic. It's the college basketball betting guide. I'm talking 400 plus pages. Greg Hoops Peterson, Matt Humans, conference breakdowns, tips for beginners, and as far as betting college hoops, title value bets from the VSIN experts. Go check it out. VSIN.com. Slash subscribe. You got to be a VEASAN pro to get our betting guides. VEASAN.com slash subscribe. Okay, we welcome you back. The Lombardi line, of course, Michael Lombardi. I'm Patrick Maher. Hope you're having a nice Friday as we welcome you back. It is, again, we're going to start to have some weather. Minnesota, 7-1. and one. Buffalo, 6-2. and two. Up in Buffalo, early window on Sunday to discuss 13 Wham! WHAM TV sports anchor. Also, Buffalo Plus podcast host Jenna Cottrell joins us again. First off, thank you, Jenna. I heard you flexing during the break about getting your flu shot. So let's start there with the flu and let's start with weather. We are going to start to have some bad. Hey, you chose to live there. It's not our fault. We're going to start to have some bad weather up in Buffalo, right? Coming up this Sunday. You know, it's so funny. I swear it was 70 yesterday, but I was looking at the forecast for Sunday and it looked to be about 39 with a chance of snow in the morning and then the same for next Sunday. So Yes, it is this time of year where we're getting ready for the dreaded S word here in Western New York. That is snow, but I don't expect weather to affect the game on Sunday, but it's going to be cold. It's going to be that time of year. We are all very well prepared here in upstate New York, but I know a lot of other places, it's not quite the same. J- Jenny, talk to me about the, the you know, let's the, Alan not practicing or not being on the field again today. That, the, I would think the mm-hmm. chances of him playing are probably not very good, but let's say he doesn't play. What, what does this offense look like with, with Case Keenum in there? They're so diametrically different because, A, Allen can run the ball. He's one of the leading rushers and yard gainers on the team. Where do they make up for that loss of Allen in the run game particularly? Yeah, I, as Sean McDermott said today, and you're right, Josh Allen did not practice this afternoon, but Sean McDermott saying earlier that Allen is hour to hour, and I expect that to be the case considering they want to keep it up in the air as long as possible to have this Minnesota team be kind of questioning whether or not Allen will be out on the field. But you make the great point of, you know, Case Keenum looks a lot different than Josh Allen, and their abilities are quite different. But this is why Brandon Bean went out this past offseason and signed a guy like Case Keenum because he has that experience. We got to talk to him earlier on this week in the locker room. He's like, look, this is his 11th year in the league. He's like, I've, I've done this before. I've done, I've gone out in the field without any practice, very little practice this week. He's been able to take all those first team reps, but yeah, he is a different type of quarterback than Josh Allen. And for so long, we've had Josh Allen kind of step up for his team. And it looks like this week, he's going to need his teammates to step up for him. I still have abundance of confidence in guys like Stephon Diggs. Gabriel Davis has kind of had an up and down season so far. But, you know, when you're starting quarterback and your superstar quarterback is not out there, it's going to be on the guys around him. And I think that goes into play of how just everyone needs to do their job to that much more of their ability. And, you know, we talked inside the locker room this week about, you know, that loss to the Jets. And Stephon Diggs said, 
you have to earn the right to win in the NFL every week. And it is incredibly cliche. But at the same point, I think that was a refocusing type of loss. And to now have Allen's status on Sunday be up in the air, everyone has to be better. I do not expect to see the explosive offensive plays that we have seen from Josh Allen in his arm. But at the same point, maybe rely a little bit more on Naheem Hines, have him more a little bit up to speed. Maybe, if possible, have more efficiency from that run game and kind of do the dink and doink down the field and then be able to put points on the board. But things will look different. But that being said, Case Keenum is a professional. We've seen him out there. And this is why he was brought in to have that confidence and that kind of safety blanket if Allen were not to be out there. Well, let's keep the theme of up and down going, Jenna, as we talk about the Bills here. At Kansas City, wonderful comeback win. Allen was awesome. Then the Sunday night, Green Bay, not necessarily, maybe a little bit of a dispirited performance and then a loss in division at the Jets. What's gone on with this team the last two weeks? Yeah, I think it's been such a weird point in the season. We're about halfway through, and I feel like there's always adversity every year. You're not exactly sure how it'll shape up. I think this year for this Bills team, it's just been the injuries and something that's kind of cropped up um, that we haven't seen in years past. Uh, It's also Ken Dorsey, I think, a little bit on him as well as he's this is his first year in play calling. And maybe, you know, Brian Dable and the connection that Dable and Josh Allen had for those previous years. There's always going to be a bit of turbulence. But we also saw, I think, Allen, it's almost like teams were using his competitiveness against him because Allen always wants the big plays. And I think at some point he didn't take what was available down the field. We saw him have some of those uncharacteristic interceptions. He had two, you know, against the Jets uh, this past week. And also, I mean, they could have had more. Um, so I think it was just a situation where, you know, what's the, the saying in the NFL, like winning cures all. And yes, they won against the Packers, but that second half left a lot to be desired. And then the loss against the Jets, it kind of has a look in the mirror type moment. And we got to talk to the Bills this week. And, you know, I talked to Senator Mitch Morris just about where the headspace is of this team, considering, you know, the questions with Allen coming off a tough loss, um, you know, being at the midway point in the season, maybe things, you know, go- not going exactly as planned. And also, of course, having a 7-1 Vikings team coming into town this upcoming week. And he's like, you're going to hate this, but it's, it's, we have to just focus on our jobs individually. And as a reporter, I was like, yeah, man, give me something better. But at the same <laughs> point, um, I think there is the testament to that and how you can't look too big. You have to focus on what went wrong and how to fix it and just individually internalize like what each player can do better. And I really got that sentiment in the locker room this week. You know, since the bye week, Jenny, uh, they, they were off. They've given up almost, uh, you know, they've given up over 380 yards on the ground. Now, I think a lot of that is because Milano missed last week and, and the Green Bay fourth quarter was important that they didn't stop the run. They gave up 208 yards to the Packers on the ground. So is Milano going to play? And what's your sense of comfort that they can actually stop a running game? Because that was the Achilles heel last year. They struggled in the win game against New England when New England ran the ball. And this year, this is starting to tick up. We know Baltimore ran it effectively on them. They did a great job against Tennessee in Week 2, but this seems to be a little bit of a, of a fly in the ointment with the Buffalo defense right now. Yeah, I feel like the the run game has been kind of a thorn in their side over these last couple of seasons over Leslie Frazier. And you mentioned the Packers game. I think at that point it was kind of the bend, don't break type of approach of, okay, we'll let them you know drive down the field or taking time off the clock. But you really saw it last week against the Jets. I mean, there was one point 
New York ran it eight straight times. And it's just their ability to be effective in that. And Matt Milano is trending like he will be playing this week. And we can talk so much about, you know, Jordan Poyer, the Bills safety and what he means to the defense. But Matt Milano has just been so impactful. And I think he's one of those guys that the Bills truly do miss him, that physical presence when he is not there. Um, you know, we've heard the phrase gap integrity around Orchard Park this week of just about guys being in their gaps, being in their spots where they need to be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that is certainly a concern. Like, let's be real. It is a copycat league. And even Vaughn Miller talked about how some of the runs that the Packers were able to do and to able to gain yards on. He saw that in that Jets game. So it's definitely an issue that we've seen rear its ugly head in seasons past. Um, and that being said, it, it it really is just you know, you, you have to be better at it, which sounds so simple, but you know, when a, when it, a guy just constantly running down your throat, you know, you have to pat that physicality back. I think with Matt Milano looking like he's going to play Sunday, that's just huge for the lineup and gives the bills a much needed confidence boost heading into Minnesota. Gap integrity. I get lectured daily about pad level. So I'm right there with you, Jenna. I get lectured about pad level. Okay. You gave us a weather report. I need a medical the market says he's not going to play. Remember, this opened eight and a half, nine. Now it's dying yeah. down to three and a half with Minnesota laying it. My assumption is Allen isn't playing. What do you think? I, I agree. I do not think that Josh Allen will play this week. Uh, I think the Bills are using an abundance of caution. Look, it has been like like fever pitch in Western New York all this week. Is Josh Allen going to play? Is he not? I've been stopped at the grocery store. People asking me about it. Um, but I think Sean McDermott said this week, especially on Wednesday, like, they're using the common sense approach and following the doctors. And that to me says, okay, they're going to be patient. Uh, here's again, why you brought in Case Keenum. And at the same point, I think this bodes well for it not being a long-term type of injury by Sean McDermott saying this is a day-to-day type of thing. He even said, like I said earlier, hour to hour in terms of assessing Allen. That to me says, okay, long-term, this doesn't seem like something that'll keep him out of the lineup. That being said, on Sunday, I do not expect him to be out there to give him the rest give him that space that he needs to fully heal that way but the bills have their eyes set on much bigger prizes um so give Allen some time and we'll go from there yeah okay. I, t- I tend to agree err on the side of caution jenny that was awesome great appreciate all your help today plus sean yeah, mcdermott absolutely. i know he's a religious man but he lies that hour to hour thing is a straight up lie yeah. it's uh, no. well, sports anchor hour to hour, right <laughs> Yes, we, we're in, minute in to reality, minute here at Vison. I can tell reality, you that. Yeah. More second to second. <laughs> TV sports anchor, of course, 13 Wham pre and post on Sunday. <laughs> Buffalo Plus podcast, Jenna Cottrell. Thank you, Jenna. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you so much, Jenna. Sounds good. Thanks, guys. Yeah, hour to hour. That sounds like McDermott playing some games, yeah. Mr. Lombardi. No, I mean, so. what else is he going to say? I mean, and he's couching it so that he's making it seem like it's close when I've often seen that where it's not even remotely close. Nine to three and a half, he ain't playing, right? He's not the book playing. doesn't think so. The book doesn't think so. They're generally right. Is Joe Thomas right about Mr. Saturday? That's next. It's scathing. It's worth it. As someone who lives for politics, when a major scandal unfolds, it was shocking. I have to know. What were they thinking? 
backroom deals, huge amounts of money, CIA secrets, sets off a firestorm in Washington, affairs. No way this guy's got a mistress. Corruption. I knew I was a dead man. Warning it's even messier than you thought. United States of Scandal with Jake Tapper, Sunday at 9 on CNN. Welcome to the Scene to Scene podcast. I am your host, Valerie Complex. Today, I am chatting with Ji Young Yu. Ji Young stars as co-lead in the six-part limited series, Expats. I think I learn a little bit with every character that I play. I think usually I play a character and it causes enough introspection that I learn something about myself. I honestly can't gush enough about Freaky Tales. I'm so excited to share it with more people. If you like what you hear, be sure to review, like, and subscribe to the Scene to Scene podcast. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Before I found Zigazoo, I believed all social media was inappropriate for kids. But I feel great about my kids being on Zigazoo. Videos are moderated by actual people before being added to the feed. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about mean comments on your kids' videos. And you need parental consent before joining Zigazoo. Bottom line, it's a space that prioritizes data safety for kids. Oh, but don't take my word for it. Zigazoo is KidSafe COPPA certified. So weigh everything Zigazoo has to offer. Maybe you'll zigzag too. Zigazoo, a social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. What's up? I'm John Wall. And I'm CJ Toledano, and we're starting a new podcast presented by DraftKings called Point Game. Everyone, please welcome Coach John Calipari. We're getting beat by 18. My first game in Kentucky. They're saying, Cal's a bust. He can't coach. This is crazy. John Wall runs down the floor and makes a buzzer beater. Yep. You remember that, John? That's my first game win I ever made. Remember you said you never seen me do that. Ladies and gentlemen, DeMarcus Boogie Cousins. I called Boogie. I'm like, yo, bro, I'm about to commit to Duke. And I hung up on him. <laughs> Bro, I'm talking about, do you want to tell me how many times he called me all type of names? Bro, you really sold me out. You doing this. <laughs> <laughs> Bro, I was sick. I remember that like yesterday, man. Love you, John Wall. Thanks, Coach. Love you, too. You made me everything I am today. Nah, you made me. You made me. I love it. Check out Point Game with John Wall and CJ Toledano on the iHeartRadio app, DraftKings YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. It wasn't even supposed to be That's my game. <laughs> to the Lombardi line on v featuring former NFL executive Michael Lombardi. Now, once again, here's Patrick Maher. Okay, BetMGM customers, you got a friend who loves sports as much as you do. Heck, even an enemy. You both like 50 bucks. So if you got a friend, enemy, just a person that wants to bet, here's a chance for both of you to earn $50 in bonuses when you sign up through the Refer a Friend program. Just sign into your BetMGM account, and then you click on the Refer a Friend program right in the upper right-hand corner. You send your friend a message. When you do, they accept. You get 50 bucks. It's that simple. 21 years or older, 1-800-GAMBLER if you have an issue. That promotional offer not available in Mississippi or Nevada. Okay, we got you back here on a Friday. Vinny Malu, when you hire your drinking buddy. 14 minutes here coming up in just a little bit. Hey, we're going to get to Joe Thomas in a second, but Michael Lombardi, uh, this stood out to me because you're constantly talking about the changing landscape requirements of head coaches and general managers. How about this bizarre behavior from the Houston Astros who just won a championship 
They disrespected the general manager. His name's James Click. They disrespected him with a one-year offer. Very underwhelming one-year offer. He declined. Now he's moving on. So a guy that had something to do with the Houston Astros mm. winning a championship was disrespect. It's just the undervaluing of coaches, general managers, because they have their systems and they feel like they can plug anybody in here. Well, and they also, the owners have every right to do whatever they want. I mean, it's why the college game, if you're a coach, the college game is probably more suited to your your skill set than the pro game. I mean, somebody asked me the other day on Twitter, is, is uh, would Kirby Smart be a, a great head coach in the NFL? And I'm like, well, I think Kirby has probably a better job at Georgia than 28 guys have in the NFL. I mean, it's the NFL is a challenging job because of the owners, because of all the people that have linkage to the owner. They're able to get to them and say, "You should, we should be doing this or we should be doing that. None of them experts, by the way. They're all just people with opinions, and that influences it. And so to me, you know, it's a very challenging job to, to, to take over an NFL franchise and run it effectively because of all the interference that goes. And I think it involves baseball, too. You know, I think we saw it with Joe Madden. You know, he didn't really want to embrace analytics. He liked to apply to analytics. If you read his book, you know, you, you understand that he went to the – he thought the Cubs were analytical, but then he went to the Angels, and they're way more analytical. Look, the thing about Click is he's got a resume. He, he won. So everybody wants to hire a winner, so he's got leverage, so he doesn't have to take a bad deal. He's going to get another team to come in and offer him a deal, let him run their organization. It all sounds very political. It sounds like a pain in the ass. It's, so. it's all political. I mean, <laughs> yeah, look, as Bill Walsh said to me, you know, people say, well, why aren't you in the NFL if you're such an expert? I, the NFL is is about – the NFL is, as Bill Walsh said to me in 19 – it's not the best and the brightest. It, it's about who politically is connected, who can stay connected, and who basically doesn't rock any boats. You know, if you go through the – you could have a 40-year NFL career if you don't ever make a decision. If you just agree with everything, you'll be great. I would say you have to be pretty good at politics to have never coached in the NFL but become a coach in the NFL. Jeff Saturday is just that. He was close with the owner and Jim Mercer and voila, or however they say that. Away we go. Indianapolis is at Vegas. By the way, did you see that number dip? It was six when we sat here yesterday. It's down to four and a half. I don't – Well, I mean in- – Look, you Go know ahead. why? I mean, so we talked about Waller two, coming back. Two, two he went guys. to IR. We talked about Renfro. He's on IR. You know, the, the Raiders have no other than Devontae Adams and Jacobs. They, they're, where, where are they going offensively? I mean, they're struggling. And then defensively, they're one of the worst teams in the league. I mean, they finally got rid of Abrams, which, you know, it's probably a, a year too soon. And their, their corner situation with, with Hobbs on, on IR – that hurts too. So this is a wounded team, and and if Jonathan Taylor he practiced today, it gives them a little bit of a running back to control it to help Ellinger if they can. And let's face it, the 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 the, the Raiders haven't played well on defense all season long. Well, we were here when the news broke about Jeff Saturday. You obviously had your reaction. Let's hear Joe Thomas's reaction to Jeff Saturday being announced the Colts head coach. When you hire your drinking buddy to be the head coach of an NFL football team, it is one of the most disrespectful things I've ever seen in my entire life to the commitment, the lifestyle, and the experience that it takes to be an NFL coach, any coach, much less the head coach of the Indianapolis football Colts. 
you have got to be kidding me that this is something that Jim Ursay and Jeff Saturday, who's not blameless for accepting the job, could have talked and decided that this was the best thing for the Indianapolis Colts at this juncture of the season. So a couple of things. One, he starts with a pointed shot, called him his drinking buddy. Ursay's had issues in the past. That was a scathing takedown of Ursay and Saturday by Joe Thomas. You know, it's funny for an ex-offensive lineman to attack another offensive lineman as ill prepared. It kind of tells you really how dramatic the game is different from the player to the coach, right? And I applaud Joe Thomas for having the guts to stand out there and, and do it. You know, I wish more people would. They certainly didn't do it last night. They wanted to. You could feel it, but they didn't. Want, they didn't, you know, and I mean, you would think Al at this point in his life would have. But uh, I think at least Joe stood on a table and said, hey, look, you know, they might win a game. This isn't going to work. They might win a game here or there, but it ain't going to work. It's only, if they win a game, it isn't because he's there. And the reality of it is, is is the fact that Joe is a really smart player, you know, maybe didn't win a lot of games in Cleveland, but was an outstanding player and, and understands what goes wrong as much as what can be successful. So, look, I keep saying this to everybody, and I did on Denver Radio today. Where are all the Saturday fans that say he's ready and intelligent? Why aren't they out here supporting him? Where's Peyton? You know, where's where are all these guys? Where are they? You know, if 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 Saturday had this an incredible, incredible ability to evaluate lead and do all that why aren't they out there saying hey look I, I know nobody else has done it but if one guy could do it it's Jeff Saturday nobody's saying that it's, it's really it's disrespectful it's really and I think to me what Thomas said was so important Thomas is going to Saturday has to assume some responsibility for this too because he should have said to this to his drinking buddy hey Jim I love you I love the Colts I'll do whatever you need me to do but I'm not ready to do this guy. It, I'm, I'm, it, this can only go from bad to worse here. Drinking buddy was quite a shot, Michael. And another thing. Well, I mean, he, he knows. I mean, what he did there by saying that, he knows how this whole thing. It didn't happen because of intellectual stimulation. It happened because they're, they're buddies. And there's nothing wrong with that. Look, we all need drinking buddies. Like, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, when you're giving him a job over a lot of people who have worked their ass off to get a job, to be in position to have a job, who go up at four in the morning, who stay all day long, who don't see their kids, who watch their, you don't even know their kids are growing up, to just have this guy walk in, I'm all for, you know, talent and having it. Look, I, I think it's ridiculous some of these guys get, get head coaching jobs just because they hang out with Sean McVay. I, I don't think that's right either. But I think this is even worse than that. At least they worked with McVay. This guy hasn't worked with anybody. He's telling me he's, you know, I know what GMs do. Come on. I could embarrass him in five seconds. He has no clue what GMs do. He has no clue how to build a roster. He has no clue how to set up a game plan. He has no clue about game management. He thinks game management is, solve, is, is when he was at the Worldwide Leaders saying they should have done this, they should have done that. That's not game management. Game management is preparing the team Monday through Saturday for the situation that you know is going to present itself in the game. That's game management. An extra layer to this, what makes it fascinating, I thought about it after the show yesterday. So as compared to the 31 other owners, Jim Irsay doesn't have any money. I mean, his money is wrapped up in the Colts, right? He's not a Tepper. He's not some of these other guys. To pay Reich all those years on that contract to go away is interesting because now it'll be fascinating is this Saturday's job moving forward? Is this a day? Is this an audition? Like, what's the plan? 
I think he wants to hire Saturday. There's no doubt. But let's not let's let's not cry poverty for Jim Irsay because the, the way these teams are and the way they're set up, even though he does the the income streams is so incredible, so incredible that you know he's probably over the last ten years since you know Peyton was there. I I would have said he's probably made fifty million dollars a year every year. I mean, I, I think he has great wealth, Patrick. I think he has great wealth that's not even tied up into the team. Yes, he's got, you know, yes, he's that there's no debt on the team and the team's worth four, five, six billion, whatever it is. So he's got that value, but he's also been making money head over fist every single year. Yeah. Hey, you're right. I guess I'm just used to the Fords not wanting to part, not wanting to pay off contracts early because they want to. Well, that, that's because the, the Fords are a corporate, they're a corporate entity. They don't, that doesn't make sense to them. Corporate, you know, like that's on their balance sheet and they don't want that. You know, they, they would rather be, they would rather go down the road of look, you know, we're going to go down the road of, of uh, what we call the sunken cost fallacy. Well, we've got this invested. We don't, even though it doesn't work, let's just keep trying to make it work. And he's got a hell of a drinking buddy. My drinking buddies get me into fights. His drinking buddy gets him a head coaching job. That's that's a pretty good flip there. Good job for Jeff Saturday. It Saturday will be, excuse me, Sunday will be fascinating just to see his overall demeanor. Can he get the headset to work in Las Vegas? It's going to be must-watch. So TV. good. So good. It's going to be so, so good. good. Speaking of so good, Vinny Maliulo, the Hall of Famer from behind the book there at the South Point next. Saturdays are for sunshine, especially for your ears. With another election, ongoing wars, and natural disasters, we know the news can be a lot to take in. And we're determined to share the bright side of humanity. Every Saturday, take a breather from the headlines and hear all the uplifting happenings across the world with Five Good Things, a new weekend edition of CNN Five Things. That means you can find this goodness in the same feed as Five Things. Listen to Five Good Things on the iHeartRadio app. Billie Eilish and Phineas O'Connell, they're with us today on Crew Call. I'm your host, Anthony D'Alessandro. Billie's vocals, it was automatic art. You know, I had to like choose a more challenging route than just like da 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 da. You know what I'm saying? Like it could have been like easier. And a lot of people have asked me, like, how did you choose to have it be so soft and like so simple? And what else was it gonna like? That's what the song wanted. Thanks for listening to this episode of the Crew Call podcast on Deadline. Zigazoo has made me zigzag. What I mean by that is I swore I would never let my kids on social media, but now I'm setting them loose on Zigazoo. Zigazoo is a space for kids to post videos they've created and to share them with other kids just like them. Videos that are moderated by actual people. And since there are no comments or messaging, you don't have to worry about social trolling. Zigazoo, the world's largest social network for kids. Download the Zigazoo app today. There's plenty to celebrate in March and ex- Craft Month with the perfect pizza at home class from Craftsy. And anytime is right to listen to iHeartRadio's iHeartCountry Radio. Discover more shows and movies for free. At- 